Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad we made it today. How about you? I'm glad we made it today. How about you? Turn to Galatians chapter 5, where two Sundays, counting today, uh, this Sunday and next Sunday, away from completing our series on the fruit of the Spirit. And I want to tell you, to me personally, it's been very profitable. And I've realized some things that uh, about me and about areas that I need to really work on in my life uh, and, and to become more and more like Christ. With that in mind, let's ask the Lord to bless us. And if you're uh, 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 prep to hear the word of God, fine, but listen one more time. Father, we thank you for the reading of the word of God and the declaration of the word of God. May it bring forth much fruit in our life in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Galatians chapter 5, uh, Paul the apostle, and, and just quickly again, let me just kind of go back. The Galatian church had gotten off track. They'd got back into a legalistic mindset uh, about life and Paul is chastising them and chastening them a little bit. And, and he, in fact, he calls them foolish Galatians. Galatians 3, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Uh, he's chastising them and really he's cor bringing correction to their lives to get them back on track to the reality that, listen, we're born again by grace through faith in the finished work of Christ. Uh, and he's getting them back to walking in the spirit and not in the flesh and stand fast, standing fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has set them free. So as he gets, comes to the close, he, he identifies the, the things of the flesh. Verse 16, he says, walk in the spirit. I want to say walk in the spirit. Let me just stop and say, you know how you walk in the spirit? Get in the spirit and start walking. It's, oh, it's not rocket science. Let me just throw this at you. I, I, I want to simplify it for you. How many of you know when you're in the flesh? No, okay, nobody. Oh, two people. You know when you're not right, right? How many of you know when your husband's walking in the flesh? You're, okay, you got it. All right. And you know, man, you are in the flesh. You know how to get. How many of you know how to get in the flesh real quick? It's the same way with the spirit on the other side of life. I'm going to get in the spirit. I'm going to start worshiping God. I'm going to start uh, yielding myself to the flow and the control of the Spirit of God. I'm, I'm going to be filled with the Spirit. I'm going to smile and love God, love people. I'm going to get in the Spirit. Then I'm going to start walking it out throughout life. So that's what Paul's talking about. He's getting these Galatians back on track. Uh, and then, gosh, I could read a lot of the, the works of the flesh. He, read, he, he names off a bunch of them. Then he just kind of says, in a, and, and whatever else is kind of like that. It's fleshly. There's a lot of different manifestations of our fleshly nature. But I love verse 22 where he comes. In fact, he says back in verse 21, if you practice these things of the flesh, you'll not inherit the kingdom of God. But, or however... The fruit of the Spirit. I want to say the fruit of the Spirit. Now, that's not plural. That's, that's, uh, that's singular. And so understand something about this fruit we've been talking about. Uh, though there are different manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit, uh, it's, 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 the, it's the produce of a Spirit-led and Spirit-filled believer. And all these things, if you can picture, you've seen the, the, the picture of the, the, the grapevine and all the grapes, just picture that with all these different types of fruit hanging off of it. And, and there, it's not plural, it's singular. So as you're led by the Spirit, these different manifestations of God began to be identified in our life. And then we've got to begin to uh, uh, cooperate with the Spirit of God and allow them their greatest impact in our life and through our life. So, uh, in fact... The, the very word fruit of the Spirit identifies that which is beneficial. Are you with me? And so it's highly beneficial. And Paul is telling this church, let me, let me tell you what you ought to be looking like. Let me tell you what the kind of fruit that ought to be made manifest in your life if you call yourself a Christian and a Spirit-filled believer. <clears throat> With that in mind, he says this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control against such there is no law and all God's people said amen this morning we're going to look at what the new King James calls gentleness but really there's a better word in King James anybody got the King James here anybody you got the King James what that word is translated in King James meekness everyone say meekness 
We're going to talk about meekness and the fruit of the Spirit that is made manifest in our life by way of meekness. Now, uh, let me just kind of give you a little history about this word. Uh, in, in biblical times, meekness has a great understanding. But in modern-day English and culture, the definition of meekness changed somewhat. And so the, the, the Bible translators and the paraphrase guys tried to figure out a better way to say the word meekness because it had been defined by modern-day culture as basically weak or timid. You get the picture. And so Bible translators said, what's a better word? And they came up with gentleness. And that's really not the best uh, uh, translation or, or paraphrase of this word that the Bible talks about when he says meekness. And so we're going to look at it from meekness standpoint. And gentleness certainly comes into play. Uh, in fact, let me show you this. If you, if you went to 2 Corinthians 10.1, you don't need to go there. But if you went there, Paul delineates these two words, meekness and gentleness. He says this, pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. In other words, he, he, he's not saying the same thing twice. He's giving two different types of, of, of uh, 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 methodologies, if you will, of, of pleading with them about the things of God. And so they're, they're two different words. Let me explain them to you this morning. Let me build a little foundation here today, and then we're going to talk about what it really means to walk uh, as Jesus would have us walk and manifest the fruit of the Spirit called meekness. Gentleness, when you think of gentleness, uh, it, it really is an outer expression or action. Okay, be gentle now. Uh, Josh, how many times have you already said to your three kids, especially maybe Ruth, uh, when it comes to baby, not, no longer baby T, but, but uh, uh, help me, Rhett Daniel. Uh, and so be gentle now, right? Be careful, be care you can't, this is a baby. Are you with me? You get that picture? Okay, that's really an outer manifestation, really, of something that's working on the inside. So that's the word, and, and that's what Paul says. I'm pleading you with you with all meekness and gentleness. I'm trying to be gentle here with you. I don't want to be rude, crude, or sociably unfitable. I want to be gentle. And then he talks about uh, meekness. Meekness refers primarily to an inner attitude or character of our hearts. Did you catch the difference between the two? In fact, my kind of understanding, as I've studied this through a little more this week, is that gentleness, by and large, is made manifest by what is on the inside of us when it comes to meekness. When you're meek, it is made manifest. One of, the, one of its manifestations, if you will, is that you're gentle. All right? You got it. If you got it, say, I got it, Pastor. And so meekness is an inner uh, condition of our mind and heart. In fact, ladies, uh, if you've ever read 1 Peter chapter 3, he's talking about women of God, really wives, and how they should be submissive and all those wonderful things. In fact, could I just read that? I think maybe you wives would appreciate that. Maybe the husbands too. Let me get over here because it's really a great illustration of, of how meekness is made manifest in our life. 1 Peter chapter 3, he's talking about wives, and he says, Wives likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. Now, follow these directives, follow these characteristics, because he's going to get down to this meekness that we're, going to, we're talking about today. Wives likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word might be won by the conduct of their wives. Let me just throw this out, ladies. You've got some great power in your life if you'll just use it. I'm telling you, and it's not in your resistance, but in, your, in the inner attitude of your heart. It says, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear or reverence, not fear as we would think, do not let your adornment be merely outward. Now, here's really, catch this, we're talking about gentleness and meekness, meekness being an inner attitude of the heart. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging of the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be, catch this, the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle, that is, slash meek, 
There you go. Meek and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Now, what am I illustrating this morning? Primarily, I'm not, I'm not trying to preach to the ladies here about the way you should be, though that's certainly a directive. But it's an illustration of the reality that meekness is an inner attitude and character of the heart. And for all of us today, in fact, this sparked an interest in me. I may do a study. You may hear this later uh, in the year. What, what is precious to God? Think about it. What's precious? What, what does God, when God looks down, he says, man, that is precious. I haven't even done a word study of what that is yet, but I'm, I'm just getting excited. I'm, I, I'd like to just stop right now and do a word study. What, did, what was he saying? Which God's that's precious, valuable, highly beneficial. It's just my thoughts in the sight of God. So when God looks down at our lives, men and women alike, and he sees the inner attitude, uh, an attribute of meekness, he goes, whew. Let's all say it together. Now, that's, that's precious. So, that's what we're talking about today. What is it in our life that God looks down and he says, that's so precious, meekness. And as I said, modern English language has kind of undermined the value of this word and taken all the, I don't know if preciousness is a word, taken all the precious attribute out of this word and kind of redefined it as, as weakness or as, as timidness or as cowardice. And that is not what the Bible is dis- describing when it says the fruit of the Spirit is meekness. So here we go. I'm going to give you some biblical understanding, if you will, some biblical understanding of what it means to be meek, of meekness. And number one, as gosh, this is so simple, biblical meekness doesn't mean weakness. Everybody say meekness is not weakness. We're going to undermine what the world has redefined this word as. It is not weakness. In fact, in a, in a very real sense, meekness is totally different. It's the exact opposite of weakness. It's, a, it's an inner uh, strength of heart that we'll talk about a little more in a moment. But you need to realize that, that meekness is not weakness. Everyone say it again. Meekness is not weakness. And I've given you this illustration before, but I'll, I'll, I'll go all the way back to the Greeks, the early days. Uh, in, the, in the early days of the Greeks, uh, they would raise up, and, and, they, they, and I don't even know if it's a, what type of a breed it was. These horses, they called them war horses. Everyone say war horse. In fact, I've even heard that term, oh, he's a war horse. Uh, and so if I'd have had time, we'd have discussed a little more about the war horse. But the war horse, I do know this about him, big, stout-hearted uh, 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 horse that was used in, in the heat of the battle, whether or not to pull the chariot or whatever it was, they were war horses. Everyone say war horses. Now, the thing about war horses, they trained these war horses, and I don't know, I don't know if there's any equestrians in the house. It works just with any horse. They, you train a horse by way of putting a bit uh, and a bridle in its, in, upon it. The bit goes in its mouth. Everybody with me so far? Say, I'm with you, Pastor. Has anybody ever not ridden a horse? Everybody's ridden a horse? Everybody's ridden a horse. You've never ridden a horse? That needs to be on your bucket list. How many of you want to help her ride a horse somewhere? We're going to go horseback riding one day. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. <laughs> hey, and so you, I'm, never, I'm not done it much, uh, you know. In fact, I'm getting distracted. For you older people, remember uh, the, the old series called Rawhide? Clint Eastwood, was he the, that's where he got his start. Was it Clint? Rawhide. Yeah. How many of you younger people never heard of Rawhide? Google it. YouTube it. The reason behind Raw, how, the, how they got the name, they started this series, didn't know what they call it. About after two weeks of all these Hollywood actors riding horses, one of the more impacted of the actors said, I don't know what we need to call this, Rawhide. Where was I? Oh, the war horse. They trained the war horse who was strong, capable to be under the absolute control of its master or the one who rode the horse. 
And in the early Greek days, when they uh, raised these horses up, they came up with a terminology. Once they got the horse under control, they said, this horse, this war horse is meek. And the whole understanding of the word meek in the Greek days, when Jesus said, I am meek and lowly, uh, uh, when the word of God says we should pursue meekness, he's talking about being strong and able, but absolutely under the control and the governance of, of, of our Lord and Master Jesus Christ. So there it's strength under control. And so understand, everyone say meek, uh, meekness is not weakness. In fact, biblical meekness, here's Pastor Sam's elongated version, is God's manifest strength and character under the control and influence of the Holy Spirit. God's strength. How many of you know we had, the world would be a mess if we had all of God's strength without it being under the control of the Holy Spirit? How many of you would take matters in your own hands? Are you with me? Say amen. I just, I've said this a number of times in life. I've said, I'm glad I'm not God. Because if I was God, I would do something about that right there. But how many of you appreciate the fact that God, our Lord Jesus Christ, is meek towards us? He's got all the, all the strength and all the power and all the authority, uh, but he, it's under control. Somebody say Amen. And so, uh, that's what I, I just, I said, biblical meekness is God's manifest strength and character under the control and the influence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Let me give you two examples, an Old Testament and a New Testament. An Old Testament example of meekness is Moses. Everyone say Moses. In fact, who wrote the book of Exodus? Moses. And this is an interesting little insight. I think uh, New King James translates this word as humble. I'm not sure. But if, if you look at Moses in Numbers 12, uh, the first three verses, it says this. Uh, and Moses being the author, it says, And the man Moses was very meek. Interesting. And by the way, the Old Testament word meek has about the same understanding as the New Testament uh, word uh, of me. Moses was very meek above all the men that were on the face of the earth. I've always thought about that, Moses. You weren't very humble, by the way, but he was. He was just, in fact, uh, some theologians think that after Moses wrote Exodus that someone came along and threw this in, one of his, you know, leaders, and just said, let me give a little commentary on Moses. I, I don't know if that, that's just, that's just mere speculation. Uh, but Moses defined himself as very meek above all the people of all the earth, all the men of the earth. I'm the meekest man on earth. And, and now, uh, so understand this. When you think of this word, it's not weak, it is not, and, but it's the strength of God under control by the Spirit of God. In fact, let me just throw this out. When Moses came down off the mountain, remember, what had the people done? They'd done gone goofy on him, had they not? They, in fact, even his key leaders kind of, uh, you know, took the bait and, 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 and drank the Kool-Aid, and they had already begun to make uh, foreign gods, and they had all thrown their uh, gold into a, into a pile, and they heated it up, and they made a golden calf, and they began to worship the golden calf. How long was he on the mountain? Forty days? Forty days they went just, just bonkers. How many of you know, it doesn't take long to make some stupid mistakes. And Moses, the meekest man, not the weakest man, but the meekest man on earth, he came down and then under the anger of the Lord, grabbed his Levites and those who hadn't fallen prey and drank, in the, drank or drinking or drunk the Kool-Aid. Uh, uh, he, he went, they went from house to house and they killed of their own brothers, brethren and family, 3,000 men. That's the meekest man on earth in the Old Testament. So meekness is not weakness. You catch the understanding. And then, of course, you go to the, to the New Testament. And Jesus, it's interesting to me. Uh, how many of you know just because you state some, something about yourself doesn't mean you're arrogant. It just means you're just describing yourself. 
How many of you know your strengths and weaknesses? Let me, let me just, I'm just back up. This is kind of common. To, my gift, my grace, supposedly, I believe it is, is, is encouragement. I think I'm a great encourager. I think I have a gift to, to people just say, come on, you can get up. Let's go. Let's do it. You can do it. Let's come on, man. High five. You can do it. That's, that's my strength, okay? I just declare that doesn't make me arrogant. It doesn't make me, you know, uh, rude in any way. It just makes me uh, descriptive of who I am. And that's the way Moses was evidently in Exodus. And then we go to the beginning or, or really uh, in, into the New Testament with Jesus, Matthew eleven twenty nine. Look what he says about himself. He says, come unto me all you labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you a rest. And then he says, verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am what? I am what? Meek and lowly, and you will find rest for your souls. So Jesus defined himself. In fact, when you think about leadership today, you look, what are all the characteristics of great leaders that we need? We need someone who's, you know, da, 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 da. we need this, we need that. We need someone, we need a knight in shining armor. How many of you know God looks at people differently? Go back to the David uh, and, uh, story. Uh, got, he got down to the last little one who didn't have, but what does God look for in leadership? And if, and if you were thinking, what are some great attributes that we should give unto Jesus uh, that we could then say because of who he is, we should follow him. Meek and lowly wouldn't make the top 10. Jesus said, come to me, all you labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Ooh, that kind of sounds like the bridle. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am meek and lowly, and you'll find rest for yourselves. This meek and lowly Jesus in John chapter 2 walked into the temple and saw them buying and selling. He walked back out of the temple, took him a little time. I don't know how long it takes to make a cat of nine tails. Would anybody like to know what a cat of nine tails is? It's a, it's, a, it's a handle with nine strips of leather on it. It's what he was beaten with, from what I understand, uh, before he was crucified. And on these leather, they would, they would uh, 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 tie on little pieces of bone and metal if they had it, anything that had a sharp, and that was the, the cat of nine tails. And you, when you got hit with a cat of nine tails, they would, they would hit you and then pull Jesus went back out to wherever he went and he rallied up together what it took to make a cat of nine tails, came back in the temple, meek and lowly of heart, and he began to whip people out of the temple. You get out of here. This was supposed to be a house of prayer. And he starts whacking. People are scattering. He said, you've made it into a den of thieves. And he cleanses the temple, meek and lowly of heart. So just because you're meek doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean you don't step up and lead the way you need to lead. And so great insight, great understanding for us to understand what it means to be meek and under the influence. It's the strength of God in our life under the control and influence and guidance of the Spirit of God in our life. Whew. With that in mind, I want to give you, and there's probably more, I want to give you seven Christ-like characteristics of biblical meekness. Different kind of how, how meekness is manifest through our life. Because remember, gentleness, uh, meekness is made manifest by the inner, it's an inner attitude that is manifest externally. Let me give you these seven thoughts. Number one, uh, a meek person, biblical meekness is manifest by way of our submissiveness or being submissive, not only to God, but the authorities of God in our life. Ladies, remember, if you go back to 1 Peter 3, he said, be submissive. In other words, have an inner understanding of submit. How many of you know submit, uh, inner understanding of submission uh, is, is based 
upon God's character and nature in our life. And on the inside, we submit in our hearts. And that's what, and it's a heart attitude. And that's what Jesus was saying in Matthew eleven twenty nine 29, when he said, take my yoke upon you. In other words, submit yourself to my governance, my guidance in your life. Be submissive. So, so it's so contradictory to what we think about when we think about strength being made manifest. It's a submissive. In fact, Titus chapter 3. Uh, it, let me just slip over there quickly. Uh, Timothy, Titus. Look what Paul said. Um, uh, to, or Titus said in chapter 3. He said, remind them. Let me, sometimes we need reminding. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities. You get that? That's submission. To obey, be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle. There's the word meek. Peaceable, meek, showing all humility to all men. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. He said, hey, remind them that they've got to be meek here. They can't be arrogant. They can't be haughty. You can't go back to the works of the flesh. You've got Christ in you. You've got to be submissive to authority in your life. Whoo. Man, an understanding and a submission to authority is going out the window in modern-day culture. Whew. How many of you know we don't always have to agree with authority? But we do need to be respectful and honoring and submissive to the authorities in our life. Did you know just because the policeman that stops you may beat his wife and kick the dog and curse his kids doesn't mean he's not an authority in your life. And so we've got to get this settled right here. Meekness is a submissive attitude of the heart when it comes to authority. Number two, another cry. In fact, how many know Jesus was submitted to the authority of God in his life? He was a submitted servant to God and he laid his life down. He submitted himself to the will of God. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. You know what most people, including believers, spend their life trying to do? Get what they want. Think about it. Our whole culture is designed. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I'm and nothing wrong with education. You need to be educated. Nothing wrong with great jobs. But most of the motivation of our life, and we, we tend to get the, we, we try to work ourselves to death to get what we want. And then when we get what we want, we don't want what we got. And so we want to get something else. We spend all our time, energy, and efforts getting what we got what we want and then we don't want what we got and it's just this big cycle and we, we're always frustrated. Let me tell you how you get that fixed. You just turn, the, uh, turn this thing around. I'm not going to spend my life trying to get what I want. I'm going to spend my life trying to do what he wants. I got one person happy about that. And when, listen, when you spend your life, when you turn your, your heart over and say, I just want to do what you want. I want to be a submitted servant. I want to be meek. I, I, I want to just be submitted to the will of God for my life. I want to tell you something. The Bible says he'll give you, hey, Galatians chapter 1, he'll give you all good things to enjoy. Amen. Submissive. Number two, another Christ-like character of biblical meekness is teachable. Look what Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. He said this. He, he said, come unto me, all you labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You ever met anybody that thought they already knew, knew it all? That when you try to help them with something, they jump in on top of you and try to tell you how they can do it better and they've already got it figured out and you realize, oh, you can't teach these people anything. Uh, and how many of you have ever been that way? Uh, how many of you know sometimes we got to realize that, hey, I need, I need somebody to help me here. I need some teaching in my life. And, and, and so it's teachable. That's an attribute of a meek person. They're teachable. I love what James 1 says in verse 21. He says, receive 
with meekness. Catch this. Follow me. Are you with me? James 1.21. Everybody, you still with me? We're talking about characteristics uh, of meekness in our life. Uh, and it's, it's the first one I mentioned is being submissive. This one's teachable. Look what James said. James 1. He said, receive with what? Meekness. The word of God which is able to do what? Save your soul. So, so meekness is, a, is an openness to God to teach me, Lord. I'll never forget Beverly and I. This has been a long time ago. Sometimes things pop up in my head. And I just say them. That's not always a good idea, but I'll never forget when we became the pastors of Quitman Church. We were young and experienced, didn't know a lot, but there we were. And some were, some were glad, some were sad. And I remember one guy who, who I can't remember his name. That proves he made a... Not a very big impact in my life, but he came up to me this way, and, and, and he kind of did this number, pastor, or pre, he didn't call me pastor, because that would infer maybe I had some influence in his life. Preacher, when somebody starts that way, it kind of scares me. Preacher, I hope you can tell me something I don't already know. And because the lack of meekness in my life, and the lack of self-control, I said this back to him. Well, I can see that you probably already know it all. And I doubt that I have anything that might benefit you. That's not a good way to start your first day on the job, by the way. But there are people in life that way. Preacher, teach me something. I hope you can tell me something I don't already know. You know what I found out about my daddy? My daddy got smarter the older I got. I didn't think he was very smart, and then I realized that guy's pretty smart. The older I get, the smarter he got. It's an amazing thing, and that's the way it is. We've got to be submissive. If we're going to be meek, we've got to be submissive. We've got to be teachable, and we've got to be gentle. Another characteristic is gentle. We talked about that. It's an outer expression or action uh, of, of, of that which is on the inside. Careful, maybe, Ruth. Be gentle. Careful, Josiah. I was holding a little uh, um, Rhett Daniel. It's going to take me a while to get that. Rhett Daniel, and, and Gideon was next to me on the couch jumping up like it was the blow, you know, the jumpy house. I said, Gideon, be careful. Calm down. Be gentle. This is your new little brother right here. Be gentle. Don't be a bull in a china shop. A lot of people are, are like a bull in a china shop. How many of you are glad Jesus didn't burst his way into your life and said, listen, you foul mouth sinner, you better repent. And get right with God, because if you don't get right with God, you're going to burn in hell, you sorry. No, no, he was gentle. In fact, Paul says this in Galatians chapter 6. That's where the fruit of the Spirit is made mention of. If he says this about our ministry to other people. I'll get there in a second. He says in chapter 6, verse 1, uh, he um, I'm in Ephesians again. Galatians, here we go. He says this. He says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness or meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. That's a great study right there, Josh, how, how being meek the strength of God under the control. When you deal with other people, if you're not, uh, you may be a less influence on them and they'd be more of an influence on you. It might jump off on you rather than what you have jump off on them. So that's an interesting thought. But we've got to be gentle. Restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, in the spirit of meekness, being gentle. Think about this. I was watching some kind of documentary. People up in the mountains, they were hiking. And one of them fell and broke a bone. And they think, how on earth are we going to get him out of here? Think about who you would want to get you out of there. Well, we'll get on our cell phone, call a helicopter, and that's not available. You don't have your cell phone. We've got to get you out of here. How many of you want somebody that was very strong? They've got to carry you out of there, right? You need somebody with great strength. But you don't want them not to be gentle. Careful. 
Listen, the whole world needs someone that is strong and mighty, war horses. But they're gentle because there's wounded people in the world who need the gentle touch, the gentle correction. Restore them in a spirit of gentleness. They're gentle. Number four, they're serving. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let me just show you this quickly. Uh, 2 Timothy 2, Paul talking to uh, uh, Timothy concerning leadership role and responsibility. Chapter 2, verse 24, he says this, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, apt to teach and patient. It's a servant's heart. I was in a particular place of business the other day, and people who were designed to serve were not very gentle. (laughs) Made me want to help them in their attitude. You know what I'm talking about. You've been there. They're supposed to be serving you, and they're not gentle. To be gentle with the way they talk, with the way they treat you. And our responsibility as those who are are meek, we have a responsibility to be gentle and to serve with gentleness and help this world that so desperately needs Christ. Servants must be gentle. And then, of course, they must be humble. Paul said to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 4, look what he said about the servant... uh, Uh, the service of God in our life and about servants. It says chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called with all lowliness and gentleness. That's humility and gentleness with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. In other words, understand something. We are servants of God, and we've got to be humble before God and humility. We're submissive, we're teachable, we're gentle, we're serving, and we are humble people. We're not arrogant and prideful. In fact, if gosh, if you could just get a, almost a, the antithesis or opposite of someone who is, is meek, you would find a prideful, arrogant, kind of loud mouth, boastful kind of person. Am I right? And so we humble ourselves as we serve one another with all lowliness and meekness, bearing with one another in love. Then number six, if you go to Colossians chapter 3, you'll find the characteristic of a meek person is someone who's very caring. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 and 13 says this, Therefore, follow me here, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Everyone say, that's me. See, some of you don't feel very uh, uh, holy, or beloved, but that's who we are as the elect of God, the chosen of God. If you're the chosen of God, say, that's me. That's us. He's talking about us. He says, the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. What's he doing? He's, and then he goes on to say, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond uh, of unity or perfect bond uh, 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 of perfection. And so what's he saying here? He said, listen, this characteristic of meekness and humility and gentleness is for the purpose of caring for others. Are you with me? This is why we're still here. This is why we need to continue to mature and become more and more like Christ. Is for the purpose of helping others. How did we start this time this, this morning? We started it with a prayer asking God to help us reach out to people. You want to be one of you want to be a really good evangelist? Listen, you don't have to practice your preaching stance. You don't have to start talking a, a like a this and a, and, a say, and telling you. Have you ever met somebody when they just talk to you like this and they get up in front of people and they say, Well, it's good to be here with you. Today I'm going, who is that guy? 
You don't have to, that's not, hey, you want to be a great evangelist? Begin to be meek. Begin to be humble and caring towards other people. OMG, people will flock to you like a moth to a flame. They followed Jesus everywhere. Why? Because he was meek and lowly and they found rest for their souls. I'm going to do a Pentecostal dance right now. That might have been live. Sorry about that. I don't think you can edit live. I've got a pastor friend in Plano. They asked him, we were in a big conference, why don't you do Facebook live? He said, I can't let that much stupidity go out unchecked. Oops. Humble people are, pardon me, meek people are caring people. They're humble people, they're serving people, they're gentle people, they're teachable, they're submissive, and lastly, they're a forgiving people. What did Jesus say on the cross? For, he just doesn't know what he's doing. You've got to forgive him. He just doesn't know what he's doing. I was talking to someone this week about a kind of an issue And I said, you know what? If you'll keep working through this, you'll begin to have pity rather than anger or resentment. If you'll keep walking through this and be forgiving and understanding, you won't be vindictive. You'll begin to realize, hey, have mercy on him, Lord. Look what Colossians said. I already read it. I'm going to read it again. When he says you put these things on, he said this in verse 13. He says, bearing with one another. And forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also you must do. That's kind of like Jesus, am I right? All these things sound a whole lot like Jesus. Jesus was submitted to the authority of God in his life. And he said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Jesus uh, illustrated uh, that, that we must, he was, and we must be teachable and gentle and serving and humble and caring and forgiving. Meekness. The strength of God under the control and influence of the Holy Spirit in our Therefore, and and let me just throw this out. When we study the fruit of the Spirit, and I'm about to close, we study the fruit of the Spirit. Again, the the kind of the understanding is, man, if I just come to church and sing good songs and 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 love Jesus and pray in the Spirit, with the understanding also, and I just I just stay in the Spirit and I walk in the Spirit, then these manifestations of God, the different aspects of the fruit of the Spirit, will begin to be made manifest in my life. That is true, but the the illustration breaks down a little when we when we when we study Scripture and we realize it's just not natural. It's not just going to, you wake up and just all of a sudden you're more and more kind and you're more and more patient and all these things. You've got to appropriate them into your life. You've got to work at it. How many of you have to work at it sometimes? Look at your neighbor and say, we just got to work at this a little bit. So let me tell you three things that the Bible teaches us about meekness that we've got to do. Even though we're spirit-filled and we love the Lord, uh, here it is. Number one, meekness must be pursued. Paul said this in 1 Timothy 6, 11, but you, O man of God, I love that. I've got a new friend in my life. He's from a different culture, and I'm not from his culture, but he calls me man of God. It's a little embarrassing. Oh, he might be watching. If you're watching, I apologize. But it's, embar- it's his culture. It's not my culture. But it's, 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 it makes me feel good, and then I go, ah. I just want to say my name's Sam. But he's so respectful. He says, he'll send me a text. He'll say something. He said, have a good day, (laughs) M-O-G. Man of God. Then I realized he's more biblical than I'm thinking he is. He tells Timothy, he says, hey, man of God. I love that. Maybe we should try it for a week. You want to try it? Maybe your wife will do it for you. Maybe Laura will do it, Josh. I'll talk to her about it. Hey, man of God, come here and change his diapers. Oh, gosh. I'm getting distracted today. I don't know why. But, hey, what are we talking about? We're talking about meekness. It must be pursued. 
Look what he says. But you, O man of God, pursue meekness. If we can think of all the things, in fact, there's a lot of different attributes there. When you put that in context, I kind of abbreviated that scripture. There's a lot of things we pursue, but like righteousness uh, and, uh, and things like that. But he throws meekness right in there at the top of the list. Pursue after meekness. Pursue after a life that is, that is, under, that is filled with the strength of God, but under the absolute control of the bridle of God and the yoke of God in your life where you are following and under the influence of the Holy Spirit day by day pursued. Number two, meekness must be put on. How many of you get up in the morning, you have to put some things on? You know the first thing I put on in the morning? things you put on. Then if I'm going outside, if y'all live next door to me, you're going you're gonna to know I walk around outside in my jammies in the morning, put on my shoes, my house shoes. Every morning we have to put something on. When you study the scripture, there's some character and attributes. How I many of you know you go to Ephesians about the armor of God? You got to put it on. Somebody say, put it on. Some people, they, they say, well, preacher, I'm not, I'm just not very this. Well, put it on. Well, I wasn't raised that way. It doesn't matter. Put it on. Paul talks to these men of God. He talks to Colossian church. He says, therefore, as the elect of God, put on meekness. Now, that's a little different. We think of that, the fruit of the Spirit. Yes, it's, it, it, is, it is birthed and managed and maybe uh, uh, overseen and, and, and cared for by the Holy Spirit, but we have to cooperate, and we got to put it on in the morning. You wake up, uh, and Beverly, now how long have we been married now? Almost, I'm not asked that question. We've been married almost 40 years. Have I gotten any better at some things? Okay, all right. You know what I've had to realize? Sometimes you just got to put it on. I'm not very patient. We'll put it on. I'm not very meek. Well, you just got to get up in the morning and say, today I am. Today I'm going to be meek. I'm going to be submitted to the authority of God in my life and the authorities of God in my life. I'm going to be teachable. Amen? I'm going to be gentle. I've not always been gentle, have I? Sometimes I'm not. Trying. Serving, I'm getting a little better. Humble, I'm working on it. Caring. Uh, uh, Beverly's more caring than I. Forgiving. All these things. I'm going to put it on. Meekness must be pursued. It must be put on like a garment that we wear. And then number three, and there's a lot of passages where this would be illustrated. It must not only be pursued and put on, but it's got to be practiced. You've got to put it into practice. Are you with me? That's what Colossians 3.13 is all about, bearing with one another. What's he saying? Once you put on tenderness and mercies and kindness and humility and meekness and long-suffering, then work it out and bear with one another. And, and if anyone has a complaint, forgive one another and pursue love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of God rule your hearts and, and work together and, and, and put it on. And practice it in daily life. Amen. Got to put it into practice. Paul said if you went back to Ephesians chapter 4, we slipped over there just a moment ago. He said this. And in the context of practicing and working and walking it out, it's really good. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord, prisoner of the Lord. In other words, he's a submitted servant beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called 
with all lowliness and gentleness slash meekness, with long-suffering, here it is, the same thing he told the Colossians, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body, blah, 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 he goes on and on. What's he saying here? You've got to practice this thing. Let me ask you this, and we're going to close. How many of you have some people in your life that challenge the meekness and the character of Christ in your life. You got to pursue meekness. You got to put it on. You got to practice it day and day. Let me guarantee you that something today. Today you're going to have an opportunity to practice the strength of God under the control of the Spirit of God. And be meek and lowly of heart. Amen? Let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I went long. I apologize. I got distracted. I knew I did. Lord Jesus, we yield to the meekness of God in our life. We thank you, Lord, that you're meek and lowly of heart. That we can, Lord Jesus, look to you and take your yoke upon our lives and learn from you and embrace the character and the attributes of God in our heart. And we yield to the control and the influence of the Spirit of God and the yoke of God in our life. For you're meek and lowly and we'll find rest for our soul. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We thank you. With every head bowed and every eye closed before we leave today, and I apologize for running long. I just got carried away. Before you leave today, if you're searching for a church home and you'd like me simply to pray for you, that you would hear the voice within the voice, that you would hear the directive of God in your life to say to you, this is the way, go ye in it. This, and by the way, this is not the beginning of a manipulative ploy. I simply want to pray for you. If you say, Pastor, I, I'm just searching for our, our place, my place as far as a church home, would you please pray for me? If that's you, just lift your hand wherever you are and I want to pray for you. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you for the directive of God being made manifest in people's lives. And Lord, we just pray you would lead them into the way that you would have them to go. You'd lead them to the church, to the place where, where, where they best fit, where, where they can grow in Christ and become more like you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's give the Lord some praise this morning. Amen.